man. I wanted to have this episode be a little bit more organized. Um, so this is a part one. But, you guys, honestly, child, 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 welcome to Pageants and Prosecco. We need to talk. For real, for real. I am not drinking wine because I want to be of sober mind. Did I hit the bowl? Yes. But I am drinking a smoothie with a strawberries, pineapples, almond, coconut milk, um, an orange, and uh, strawberries. I hope you have five glasses for this episode. A bottle of wine only has four. You're going to need five glasses of wine for this episode. I'm not going to make this one long because it's part one. But let me just start with saying this. When it comes to systematic change in the world, we're going to have to consider systematic change in the pageant world. I know it's going to be hard for a lot of people to listen to, directors, um, contestants, future contestants, but the way the world is going right now, if the pageant industry wants to continue sincerely and wholly and honestly with some integrity, there's going to be some, there needs to be some systematic changes in beauty pageants as a whole or else the whole industry is just going to go down it is so i just want to first address um sorry that i feel like i've been mia on this podcast because um well sorry if you think i've been mia on this podcast maybe you don't but it's kind of hard trying to live in this kind of world with the pandemic you know, I feel like I could have done a lot of IG lives or something during quarantine. But for those who don't know, I am newly unemployed. Well, not really. It's been all year. So dealing with the mental um, anguish that comes with um, losing an opportunity or that comes with having a new door open for you, but not knowing what that door is just yet, on top of... Kobe Bryant's death really did hurt me. Um, he, it really did. I really looked up to Kobe. Um, not as an idol or anything, but I really... When I competed in, patch, in pageantry, I looked up to Kobe because of his hustle and his integrity. And I mentioned this on the, the episode before, but um, every time I thought about my pageant prep, I was like, am I doing enough? Because Kobe's in the gym, you know, at 3 o'clock in the morning. He's calling his trainer at 5 a.m., working out, sweating, talking about, I'm missing the shot, can you help me? Like, and he's been there for two hours, and it's 5 o'clock in the morning. So that's how I always looked at pageantry, like, am I really doing enough during this pageant prep? And I really looked towards Kobe for inspiration for a long, long time. I am a pageant veteran in this game, it's been 10 years, so I've really looked to his hustle and motivation, and just simply being a sports fan. Um, you know, you guys know I'm from Chicago, so Jordan and Kobe played for a little bit together. Um, so basketball has kind of always been at the forefront of my life and it really that honestly really did hurt um as if I knew the man so 
all that on top of the whole quarantine and didn't just want to sit down for a minute, I felt like this was really a time for me to sit my ass down because I had ran around all 2019 being a television reporter, seeing all types of stuff, all mental anguish, dead bodies, talks with the police, just people yelling at me because I'm in the media. And that's only a year. So there's journalists out there who's been in the field for decades. And I don't know how they're able to survive mentally. They're probably crazy psychopaths. But for me, it was a lot. I'm a Sagittarius. I'm a fire sign. I don't know if that has something to do with it. But um, I really took a lot of my work home. And it was hard for me to bounce back the next day. And there was a lot of microaggressions, of course, in the workplace. Cause I, was one of, I was the only person. No, I wasn't the only person of color. For a minute, um, halfway through my time, I was the only person, I was the only black person in the building. And there was one person who was a biracial. But yeah, so dealing with just microaggressions in the workplace. So I think God gave me this opportunity to take a break and sit down. Um, so that's what I did. So that's why I've been away for the podcast for a minute. And I appreciate all my loyal listeners, those who are sitting with me, and those who hit me up uh, in the DMs. I appreciate it. Let me know if you've been listening for a while. All right. Okay. So now that's out the way. <laughs> Child, I don't even know where to start with this. This is good. But I do want to say, um, I do want to say this because we're having this conversation of race. As many people know, I don't know if you guys can tell or not, I'm a black woman. I was born black. I've been black for 20-some years. And I'm going to die black. When it comes to women's issues, I don't know if I'm a woman first or if I'm black first. You know, people see black and then they might see a woman. Or they see a woman and they see the black. So it's always hard to... Um, not have race play a factor in every single thing that I do because it's always presented to me whether I like it or not. You know, I could walk down the street and something crazy can happen simply because I'm black. And it's just, and it's microaggressions. That's why I need white people to understand. Microaggressions. Little mosquito bites. It's it's the kick the Kick the kick the cat theory, you know, um, where it's like the boss yells at the husband, then the husband gets upset, or the his his the boss yells at his employee, the employee's a man goes home yells at his wife, the wife yells at the kid, and then the kid yells at the cat. So it's it's consistent, and then it's also broken glass theory where where you live around your surroundings if you see a house that has broken glass you instantly have lower self-esteem with your community um and then it's it's as if you were being bit by a mosquito imagine if you were out hiking i know that's what you guys like to do canoeing i don't know and it's like one bite oh, okay you know mosquito out <laughs> you get bit again oh, okay okay no, that's fine you get bit again dang that's the third mosquito bite by the 16th mosquito bite, you ready to whoop someone's ass. Imagine if you had 16 mosquito bites like that every single day. And it's just little stuff. Little stuff that happens. Just just nuggets, egg, eggs being dropped. 
I see you change your hair. You're pretty for a black girl. What else are you? You know, your hair looks nappy. Little stuff. And some people might even have that backhanded compliment. And it's just, imagine just having to deal with the same people consistently because we're all on this planet together. We're at work together. We're at school together. We're in these environments where we see the same person repeatedly. And if it's just little nuggets, after a while, that person's going to pop. So times that by however many black people live in this country. After a certain point, people are going to pop. They're sick of it. You know, and when it comes to the police, I personally have had two encounters with police where I am 100% innocent. One time in Decatur, they, they pulled me over. They followed me for about a mile. I lit, Decatur is in Illinois. <laughs> Some people think that's only Chicago and Illinois, but that's central Illinois, so it's our farm, all farmland. So my exit is farmland, and is, it was in a white community, and I was a college professor at the time. And I was coming home from Chicago. It's a three-hour drive. My routine, I was doing it twice a week, regularly. And uh, at this point, they, they followed, they, it was the city police. I was on the interstate, and they followed me. They was on the median, I guess clocking. I was going at the regular speed because I was about to get off. I drove a mile towards my exit. And, um, of course, it's in, like, you know, nowhere land because it's all cornfield until you get to the city. So they accused me of not being where I'm from. My license, my driver's license has my mom's address. That's my permanent address as far as I'm concerned because I move so much. So it's in the burbs of Chicago, not Decatur. So they accused me of not being there, uh, not being, or just not needing, they accused me of taking an early exit. Or they accused me of getting off early because they were following them. So they thought I was a suspicious, they thought I was suspicious. I hope this is making sense. I'm sorry, I'm so tongue-tied. Pretty much, they got off the median, followed me down the highway until I got off. And I'm doing everything. I get off, I stop, I drive, and it's literally just me and this cop on this dirt road. And I end up pulling over because I see this cops following me. Like, they don't even flash their lights or nothing. And eventually they flash like because they're both going 10 miles per hour. I'm like, okay, so let me just stop because they're following me. Um, then he asked me if everything in the car was mine. It was just me and Mr., my dog, in the car. How are you going to ask me if everything in the car is mine? What, like, what kind of, that's a loaded question. And then they was running my plates for no reason. I asked, what was the point of the stop? Like, what's the point of the stop? I saw y'all follow me for a mile and a half, and you followed me off this exit. So now what, what are we here for? And um, they ended up giving me a warning because they said I, when I got off, when I got off of the highway, you know, there's like a little stop sign typically. So you let the other people come by. They said I stopped too far over that white line at that stop sign. Granted, they were behind me at that stop sign, like bumper to bumper. So how do you even know? Like you had to look out the window and be like, oh, look, she's five yards over this stop, the, the white line. And then they followed me and then told me that. And they said, oh, we're going to let you off with a warning. A warning. Folk, like, that's what I'm saying. That's one incident. The second one also indicated I was accused of stealing someone's purse. Like, What? And I worked at a, um, I was working in the mall. I was a cashier, and this lady lost her purse. Long story short, she lost her wallet. Um, it was found in the dressing room, and it was empty. And a little girl brought the wallet to me with witnesses. I was at a cash. This is the mall, so the cashiers are at the front of the door. You know, whenever you shop at the mall, typically the cashier at the front of the door by the exit. There was two managers behind me, and they were dating each other. 
So this little girl brings me this little pink wallet. It's empty. She's like, hey, someone left in the dressing room. I open it. It's empty, thinking that maybe we sell it. Turned around, did a 180, gave it to my manager. Boom. Never saw the wallet again a day in my life. A day in my life. They're like, okay, we'll take it to the manager's office. Why did the sheriff's office two days later say they were looking for me? They said they called me on my private phone number and I didn't answer, so they thought I left town. They accused me of giving my boyfriend the credit card so he can go spend something. I think the money was spent while I was on duty. And I, and I was like, what? I was standing right here the whole time. I was literally at my post being a cashier the whole time. The whole time. I worked that whole evening, and then I became a professor the next day. And then I went back to work the next day. So they said I was on the run. And this happened on a Tuesday. I know I was teaching Tuesday and Thursdays. So it happened on Monday. They were calling me on Tuesday. I went back to work at the mall on Wednesday. And child, they were on me like, I was like, what is going on? I didn't even know they were looking for me. I'm talking about they needed my statement. And then she started yelling at me in the mall, accusing me of giving these credit cards to a man so he can spend money on it with it. I said, what? What? I don't even know. I mean, I guess. And I try to I try to think from other people's point of view. I guess it's not illogical to think if I did find some money that I would give it to a boyfriend to buy something. But like, at least getting benefit of the doubt. But it was also two managers there. They did vouch for me and tell that they had nothing to do with it. They didn't even know the cop had questioned me like that. They were shocked. They're like, "What? Yeah, I could have told you that." She, she turned around. I had, my, I literally probably had that for less than fifteen seconds. The little girl handed me, "Oh, thank you." Turned around, gave to my manager. They're standing right there, and that's it. So when people are saying that they are having situations with the police, you have got to believe it. Rather, it's just a small little thing, and and then they let me go. The other two cops, when um, I got stopped outside by that stop sign thing, I drove straight to the police station and filed a report. I told them I'm a college professor in this town, and I don't appreciate my police officer harassing me, my fellow officers. We're going to be working together. They're the, they're the police. I'm the teacher, and we're both in this town working together to help this community. The fact that I'm, I'm a professor in this town and still get, you know, dragged by the cops, like, that's crazy. It's crazy. And it's not just me, and I'm a woman. So imagine the black men. You have to really see each other as just, we're all just humans, y'all. We're all just humans with different variations of melanin. And that's it. And that's all. Until you see African Americans as just a regular person, just like you and your mama, then it's, we're not going to have this conversation. You can just stop this podcast right now at 15 minutes. I'll give you time to stop. Find another one. Okay. Like I said, I didn't want to make this podcast long, but we do need to talk about racism and pageantry and what it looks like. And I do want to dedicate this episode to everybody and their families who have lost someone due to murder at the hands of authorities who were sworn to protect us. Oh, maybe they weren't sworn to protect us protect them, whomever they were sworn to protect. I just want to dedicate this episode to anyone who lost someone um, whose life was taken too soon and whose name we have to call out nowadays as martyrs of 
the movement. And black lives really do matter. No one else's lives matter less than, but it seems like someone's life kind of does. And I'm telling you this from personal experience. Spent 20 some years in this game and I am not making this up. So, what is it like to be a black woman competing in pageants? <laughs> I feel like you guys might think I'm psycho. Um, it's tough. It's never been easy, and it's always been hard. It's not a thing that um, um, Kerry Washington's dad said you have to work two times harder to get twice as much done. It happens in the pageant world, too. And I debated on making this episode because, you know, I'm still a competitor. I had a pageant goal I wanted to reach. And I feel like sometimes coming out and talking straightforward um, might hurt my chances in ever winning a national title or getting to the goal that I have in mind um, when it comes to competing in pageants and what I want to do with, with um, this platform and um, this hobby of mine. But someone has to say it. And I can't be afraid of not winning a title just because I'm being silent. Because that, to me, is kind of equivalent to white silence and how it's dangerous. And the industry can't change until something is said. So if it's a risk to never being crowned again, so be it. I got three crowns <laughs> and three seances and then some. And then, if anything, it's okay. It's cool. You know, I still love y'all. And I can always be a judge. And, but look, we need to talk about what racism and pageant look like, looks like. And this is part one because I want to bring people on for part two so we can have a more in-depth discussion because I think that I need more, um, obviously, perspectives from different areas of the pageant world to kind of weigh in on this discussion. But this is why I want to come to it as a contestant, as an individual contestant, as a black woman competing in pageants. This is what racism looks like to me. Racism and pageantry is when black women aren't crowned, period. You have a history of black women not being crowned, period. Do you know when I first started competing in pageants in 2009? I looked at pageants based off of who was their winners. And I looked at the past five winners. And I thought, am I going to spend my money on this pageant or not? That's the reason why I did not compete in Miss USA. In Illinois, I can. My first pageant was Miss Illinois Teen USA in 2009, fall 2009. And then I looked at the people, and I was like, the past winners. I'm like, none of these girls look like me. So I'm just having a good time. It was a nice weekend in McCormick Place, three day weekend. I got a pillow out of it. <laughs> That's a funny story. Um, my roommate was really nice. She gave me a gift. That's when I realized that roommates give gifts. Um, cause I really felt bad and gift for something. I think I did get her something. Let me brought something for her. Um, but since that pageant and afterwards, I looked at what pageant to compete in based off who was winning. And it was hard in 09 to find any title holders um, of color in the smaller systems. Of course, you had the, the larger Miss Universes, but... It's like be going to the NBA. The odds are just so... And I'm a newbie. I didn't have a coach. I didn't have walking lessons. I was attempting to play the piano as my talent. Like, child... On top of being black. So... 
Imagine your desire to wanting to compete and wanting to win, but the past title holds don't even look like you. So now you got to break a record and make history. And you know how hard it is to make history? That means you got to come five times harder than the number one um, competitor there. Honestly, like, you have to have the most, ex well, I guess, you know, price doesn't matter on gowns, but your gown has to come correct. Your hair and makeup has to come correct. Your edges need to be laid to the gods. Eyebrows fleeked. Walking just like. Imagine a level, the extra level of competition you need as a newbie competing, you know, in the early 2010s. Um, trying to just win. And it's the smaller titles. I competed in a lot of systems. A lot of systems. And it got to the point where I competed, um, I stopped competing so much because I'm just like, child, I don't know what it takes to win. Not before the idea of getting a coach was really like prevalent. You know, I was just reading how to compete based off um, what I saw online. I was doing my own hair and makeup. I was financing my own pageant career. I paid for Miss Illinois Teen USA in three payments of $300 that I got working at the movie theaters. So I didn't have money to just, you know, be slayed to the gods. You got what you got. I think, <laughs> I, think I didn't wear my prom dress. I wore a blue dress. I wore that for prom and I competed in it. And then I remember when the judge, a black woman, told me, if you want to win, you need to change your dress. I said, but I paid for this dress. Child, I still got it too. It's nice royal blue. But looking back, I didn't show my figure enough. Um, and there's been pageants where I competed with smaller numbers too. There's a reason why pageant patty exists. There's a reason why there's a stereotype of what beauty looks like in the pageant world. There's a reason why people with blonde hair and blue eyes get stereotyped. There's a reason why black people get stereotyped. If blonde hair and blue eyes is a standard for pageant beauty, what am I going to do? I want to do this industry. I want to do this. This looks cool. Look at all that shiny stuff I get to wear. Look at what she doing in the community. Oh, there's a crown. I want to do that. Oh, wait. I don't look like her. Uh, so how can I do this and still look like her? And that's how you got the black pageants. And that's the reason why there's so many black pageants out there. Because at least there's an even playing field. Jeez, just give me that. You know? What's next? <laughs> Colorism. Girl. Girl. <sighs> I am really going to make some people upset with this episode, and I cannot apologize. When it comes to let's just see when it, when, okay so just imagine competing in pageants for so long the Miss America organization let's just start there founded in 1920 what when was the first black person crowned 1983 80 minus 20 what's that 60 years 
Vanessa Williams was crowned. How did she look? She was a fair-skinned African-American woman. She was passing for you guys. She she was the token black person, so you guys didn't look bad for not crowning someone black this whole time. Cheryl Brown competed. She was the first black person to win in Iowa, of all places. She dominated that competition. If she won in Iowa, how did she not win the national competition? I'll tweak it. Vanessa Williams was a light-skinned woman, and light-skinned women are, for some reason or another, seen as beautiful when it comes to um, not just pageants, but in the world. And dark-skinned women, melanated women, are perceived as ugly and dirty and ratchet and ghetto. Look at it in every single TV show. The Proud Family. You have Penny Proud, who's a fair-skinned, light-skinned woman, and her friend, Dijanae. Is that a seasoning? <laughs> Penny, compared to Dijanae, even the names. Um, it was seen in Martin with Gina and her friend Pam. It's seen on a lot of shows where the dark-skinned woman, Clueless, Stacey Dash, acting ratchet, even the black person, compared to the white person, the darker-skinned person, is seen as ratchet and ghetto. So you gotta live above that stereotype as well. Like, Marjorie, um, Williams, Miss America 1991, the dark-skinned woman. But, the reason why she was probably crowned was because she dominated the piano. If she didn't get crowned, there would have been an uprising in 91. By default, I think she won. Because you guys couldn't deny her talent. And a lot of systems are crowning fair-skinned women to prove a point that they are diverse and you're not. That's not how it works. But shout out to all the fair-skinned women who have won and paved the way. We do need you guys. We do need them. I'm not saying that, obviously I'm not saying that dark-skinned women are dominating the competition anytime they compete. But I'm just saying, like, look at yourselves. Take a mirror and just look at yourself. But what, like, I'm talking to the leadership of the past community right now. You know, some people have said that some systems are, you know, favor one contestants. Some directors tell judges who to pick, you know, or what kind of year it's meant to be, or, you know, we had too many girls look like this, so find someone that looks like this, not this, this, okay? Oh, look, I've been a judge. I have not had that happen to me at all. Every single pageant I've judged, I've never had a director tell me who to pick. But it's not a rumor for a reason. Is it, mister? It's not a rumor for a reason. Look, our numbers are kind of low. Why don't you guys go ahead and just look at look at this girl right here? Look, look, she isn't too great, and she was dismissed. I think I liked her. Why don't y'all just you know be easy on her score? We need a black person to win so we can have more black women compete next year. I think they have a chance. Psych! I am so done being fooled. I am so done being fooled. That is honestly the reason why I didn't even go back to Miss USA. Be, I mean, as an adult, I never competed in Miss USA, Illinois, 
as an adult. And I always regretted that, to be frank on this podcast. But then I remember my, my decision at that moment when I always was looking for other systems to compete in. My idea was that they're not crowning me. They're not crowning women that look like me. And I'm 5'4". <laughs> I'm 5'4", you guys. Flat foot, so... I don't even reach the height requirement. If Olivia um, Colpo did it at 5'4", child, I doubt I can even reach that. Like, So I wasn't going to raise my money. That's $1,000 in Illinois to compete at Miss Illinois, um, at least in Teen USA. I think it's 1095 because I did three payments of 300 some odd dollars. When I wanted to compete, it was 1095 So I'm not going to raise 1095 competing in a pageant that's not crowning black women, period. Period. That's just bad business. That's that's a, that's a bad investment. For pictures, that I got paid for. For a memory. You know what I have from that pageant? Honestly, I have a makeup bag, a small little makeup bag. That's what I have, and uh, I have two pictures. I think I paid for it though. But I have memories of a good time eating ice cream with a whole bunch of girls. 101 of us. 101 teens competed that year in 09. 101! How did you stand out from 101 girls when you're black? I am so angry. But someone has to talk about it. Someone has to talk about it. When it comes to our hair, <laughs> I am going in today. I am going in. When it comes to our hair, do you guys know how much a weave costs? I know you guys see black women just wearing weaves. You know how much that costs? Take a wild gander. At one point, so look, this is how the process of hair goes for people who are unfamiliar with the um, whole thing. So you have hair come in bundles, typically because your head shape. One bundle is not going to fit your whole head. So usually you have three, and you want the top of your head by your forehead to look good, so you have like a frontal or a closure, or you have your regular hair out to cover up your tracks, or extensions, sorry for the translation. So typically there's three bundles and a closure piece. So that's four pieces altogether. If you want the best hair texture, that's shiny and wavy and all that fun stuff, the Peru, the Brazil, the Malaysian, each bundle probably costs you probably like uh, $100 to $200. Cheapest I've seen there on AliExpress is probably $35. But do you want $35 hair in your head? I don't know. I don't know. Look, 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 look. So then you got to get that in a package. So do $200. Like, okay, let's just say it's going to cost $90. 90 times 3, and the closure piece probably cost $125. Whatever number that was. Let me do the math, because I took, I honestly, you guys, did take non-credit math. <laughs> 90 times 3, plus 125 for the closure. You're looking at $395. Just for the hair. 
And then these people who they're called stylists, especially the ones that aren't licensed, <laughs> they want to charge you 180 to put it in. So let's do the math. 395 plus 180 to even install it. $575. $600 if you want to add a tip. Just to put the just to have hair on your head that looks that looks that will appease to your judges who are white. Because having your natural nappy hair out is a no-go for them. Oh no, oh, oh, is that an afro? She looks scary. Oh no, 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 no. She looks terrifying. She looks like scary spice. <laughs> she looks scary. That's not what the community wants to see. How's her crown gonna fit on that afro? What? 4C? It goes that high? <laughs> Look at the curl pattern. How is that possible? Can I touch it? Please, I just got to touch it. I wonder how many people in the Bible, I had never seen a Bible quote of anybody asking Jesus to touch his wool. I had never heard nobody asking Jesus to touch his wool. That's what the Bible said. Hey, like sheep wool, right? Let's look it up for me, please. Thank you. So then you got to braid your hair down, sew this in, and keep it looking right for three days before you compete. Or a week, depending on how long your pageant week is. Style it yourself. And I don't know how to style straight hair. I don't know how my hair came. On top of just the overall hair psychology of black women, you guys, a lot of us have perms at a younger age. I had a curly texture in 09 that at least softened my curls with a texturizer. It wasn't quite a perm, but Lord, it did help a little bit. But now I cut my hair off. I did a big chop. I said, F it. I just got to start over. So now I'm rocking this tiny fro. And my curl pattern is back, I think, to a nicer, um, not nicer, but it's an easier way to... Um, Deal with it. And I see my actual curls and it feels like nice spirals and all that. But <sighs> it wasn't until Deshauna got on stage in 2016 that we saw Afro on stage and she was saying goodbye. She was fair farewell waving in her Afro. Child, if she would have got up there and said the military, women can act like men in the military with the Afro on. Hawaii would have won. And y'all know it. Y'all know it. She wouldn't even made it that far. We have to conform to your level of beauty just to even make top five. And don't let me even go on to saying something controversial. Black Lives Matter? What? Mine doesn't? Ain't no one talking about you. Ain't nobody talking about you. Right now. I'm not gonna go into that debate. Lastly, not lastly, another thing I wanna talk about, talent. What is considered a talent? Is it ballet? Who took ballet? What black person took ballet when they were younger? Raise your hand. What black person?
Listen, those ain't boring. How many of y'all? Misty? How many black ballerinas are competing in pageants? What the heck, y'all? I kept saying, play a nice little piano piece for you. <laughs> and you guys believe at Miss Chicago, I competed in Miss Chicago for Miss America organization twice. I lost to the same person twice. Twice! The same person! How do you lose a pageant to the same person twice for the same title? <laughs> I think that was in 2014. Like I said, there needs to be systematic changes in this pageant organization. What is considered a talent? So look, when it comes to black pageants, I competed in two out of the three major black pageants. I have episodes on one of them. We'll go back and listen. <laughs> but um, one thing that I saw there was so much talent. It was ridiculous. We're naturally talent. <laughs> Who are the musicians out here? Let's be real. We're naturally talented. Like the Washington Post had the nerve to go on there and make fun of how many people recited a poem by Maya Angelou. Me being one of them. She said if she had to sit through another Maya Angelou poem again, the Washington Post reporter said that. Yes, she did. Lord, what is considered a talent? Rapping, spoken word, ways to express yourself, right? Even some talent considerations aren't even considered as real talent. But let someone go on stage and drop some iodine and some liquid and then explodes and y'all just in awe. What? And what? Wow. Wow. That's a TikTok thing. <laughs> Lord, you guys know that there's been some people on the stage that has had some impeccable singing, dancing. Those who didn't even make it to win their local title because their talent probably wasn't even considered a talent in your eyes. She's just talking on stage. So that's why people compete in black pageants, quite frankly, because I don't have time for it. I don't have time to straighten my hair. I don't have time to be faking the funk. And you're not understanding colloquialisms or little stuff. And this is not, 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 not to undermine any black women who have won because we need those people to make the way. The same way we need the white people to be abolitionists during the slavery times, and we need white people to be allies now, and we need white people to jump in front of the lines at the protest. Thank you. We need people to pave ways so that way other people can make it. But we have to honestly start having more discussions about what is considered beautiful in pageantry and the racism that is in pageantry because I experienced it firsthand. And that's just things I can remember. Just things I can remember. 
Last but not least, I want to talk about diversity on the leadership board, executive board, and who these directors are. You can't be having these white directors have black contestants. And you know they have a history of not have no black people winning. Leadership needs to change. Top down. Your board needs to change. This is all pageants. All pageants. You guys need somebody that's gonna understand the language of your contestants of color. All of them, not just blacks. If you wonder why there's all these small individual pageants dedicated to women of a specific race, this is why. This is why. Because mainstream's not doing it for us. But you know what's crazy is that you could probably have a whole lot more following and more contestants if you have black women win. That's the truth. You know how much clout you can get if you crown someone legit? Look at, um... Look at how happy we were that five women won, period. All five black women had the, had the highest house you can, you can have in pageantry. Look how happy we won. And guess what? All five of those pageants had publicity! I saw those girls on CNN! I never see Miss America on CNN besides the day after she won. CNN. But the day after she won, if she made it to CNN, you need us. You want to have pageants go farther? You need us. That was a major story in December 2019. Every news outlet was highlighting all five of those black women who won. And guess what? People didn't even know pageants were still around. The hell is going on? Mister, please. Please help me out. <laughs> you need us. You need us. When Miss Texas won, Miss America system, that video went viral. She fainted. She couldn't believe it herself. <laughs> it went viral. I was crying. Look at Texas. Look at Texas coming through. Finally. That's what they said. Finally. Do you know how many black people are in Texas? I lived out there. The first person to win Miss, Miss Texas. What? Last year? What? Y'all tweaking. Besides that, uh, yeah. Tweaking. It, it shouldn't have to take 2019 years <laughs> for black women to be considered beautiful in the pageant world. We need to be setting examples. We're trying to create leaders and inspire the next generation and get world peace with people who don't look like the next generation who's trying to get world peace. Period. All these people having interracial relationships, the minorities become the majority eventually. 2050, I heard. Look it up. DM me. <sighs> I appreciate chopping up with you guys. Sorry I yelled at you. <laughs> but if we're going to have this moment in our history and in our time, and if we're going to honestly have discussions about race in this country, in this world, pageantry is in this country. Every state has a pageant. 
every state. It's an international it's an international problem as far as I'm concerned. It's an international problem as far as I'm concerned. When have you ever seen should I stop? Let me stop. I'm shaking. Should I stop? Should I, should I, should I say this, mister? Should I say this? When have you ever seen the African continent have a run in pageantry where they want? When have you ever seen it? South America had their reign, Venezuela? Did they win like 20 times in a row or something like that? <laughs> Asia is having their dominance. When have you ever seen black women have a dominance? African country have a dominance in the pageant world where they were just winning back to back, back, back titles? Never! I ain't never seen that before. Why? Because they weren't even considered beautiful. If they could afford to compete. If they even wanted to compete. If they even bought a competing because no one was winning to look like them. Lord. My blood pressure just got so high. I cannot. I cannot, child. I'm glad I didn't drink that wine. I probably needed it. Never. Never. And I just want to. I have a conspiracy theory I just want to share. Why is it that in the Miss USA system, when it comes to the black women who have won, they've always been back to back. And then there's been a, a drought. And then back to back. And then a drought. And then back to back. Here's my little conspiracy. Don't mind me, I'm just a woman with no bra on, sipping smoothie, talking mess on a podcast. I'm just curious. I, I'm just curious. Okay, you guys. Like I said, this is part one. Part two is on the way. I want to have some thought leaders um, speak with me so we can have a deeper discussion about how we can really change. At the end of the day, all this just needs to change. That's it. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you finished them glasses, child. All right. Have a good day. And be blessed. Be blessed. Love each other. Be genuine. And listen. When I was a professor, I was a professor of communication. That's the reason why I feel like um, I do know how to understand communication. Because I taught it at a collegiate level. And really listen. That's the first part of communicating is listen. Look someone in the eye. When have you even done that? Address them by name. First name. You guys be blessed. I love you for real. And peace.